Hello, this is Chris Preisler from SWIB. Before we start this month's podcast, we have some sad news to share. The SWIB family is mourning the passing of Executive Director and Chief Investment Officer David Villa. This podcast was recorded before David's passing. SWIB and the state of Wisconsin have lost a visionary leader and devoted public servant. We extend our deepest condolences to David's family. Hello, and welcome to the SWIB Podcast, where members of the Wisconsin Retirement System can turn for timely information on the investments that help fund the state's pension system. I'm Chris Preisler, Communications Specialist for the State of Wisconsin Investment Board, or SWIB. And I'm Dusty Weiss, producer of the podcast. 2020 was certainly a year to remember, as governments and institutions worked to manage the COVID-19 pandemic and its economic impact, the financial markets experienced a great deal of volatility. While the end of the year brought positive news, there is still some uncertainty as we begin to work our way through 2021. Last year on the SWIB podcast, we had the opportunity to talk to SWIB's managing directors about their portfolios they oversee and how they are working with their teams to help fulfill SWIB's mission to the WRS and its participants. With all that went on last year, we thought it would be helpful to bring them back and get their thoughts on how 2020 finished find out what they think we can expect in the coming year, and hear about what SWIB is doing to continue to monitor and evaluate the longer-term impacts of the pandemic to position the Wisconsin retirement system towards success. The SWIB podcast is a regular opportunity for you to learn more about the people and funds that comprise the Wisconsin retirement system. Please make sure you subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode Share this podcast with your fellow WRS members and leave a review on iTunes so that it's easier for other members to find this show. Despite the ups and downs of 2020, SWIB remained committed to its long-term investment strategy, which resulted in strong returns for the WRS. The core fund, the larger of the two WRS funds with more than $120 billion in assets, ended the year with a net return just above 15%. The core funds' 5- and 10-year returns both exceeded the pension system's actuarial target. The great news for WRS participants is that exceeding the pension fund's 7% target return for both the 5- and 10-year periods is expected to result in continued stability in employer and employee contribution rates and a positive annuity adjustment for retirees of around 5%. Well, Chris, that is exciting news, and today we will be joined by Anne-Marie Fink, the Managing Director of Private Markets and Funds Alpha, and Brian Helmer, Managing Director of Global Public Market Strategies. They're going to share their thoughts about 2020 and take a look ahead and give us an idea of what we might expect in the 2021 year ahead. But first, a few thoughts from Edwin Denson, SWIB's Managing Director of Asset and Risk Allocation. Edwin, you have got to be very pleased with how you and the staff at SWIB were able to handle the market disruptions that were caused over the last year by the pandemic. Well, absolutely, Dusty. We ended the year in a very strong, positive position. It wasn't easy. There were times when we were not ahead of the game during the year, but by staying the course and maintaining our investment discipline, we're able to take advantage of the market opportunities that were presented early in the year to generate returns and add value over the balance of the year. This past year was not the first, nor will it be the last, when we see significant volatility in markets. We seem to have cycles that go five to seven years before um, something comes along to disrupt you. We had the financial crisis about 10 or 11 years ago, and then we had the pandemic early last year. 
We are long-term investors, though, and we have worked hard to implement a robust and sophisticated investment strategy designed to weather various market conditions, so to set us up in very good position, again, to take advantage of these opportunities as they come along. And we continue to build and enhance the infrastructure and technology that we need to support our strategy on the investment services side. Being able to successfully pivot back in March and still deliver a strong finish during a year unlike any many of us can remember is really a tribute to SWIB's strength as an asset manager. As we said, it's also good news for the members of the retirement system. So tell me, Edwin, what is SWIB's secret? Well, it's a great story, and I love having the opportunity to share it with the participants in the retirement system. SWIB's ability to handle market disruptions caused by the pandemic was possible because of the foundation that we have put in place, including our systems, technology, and very importantly, our governance structure that gives the investment staff meaningful discretion in terms of taking advantage of investment opportunities as they come along. But there's something else that I really want to talk about today, and I like to call it the story behind the story. SWIB's secret sauce is really our people. Uh, Our staff were able to do all the things that they normally do at work and doing that from home while juggling family obligations and personal responsibilities during the pandemic. It takes employees who are dedicated to the mission to continuously go above and beyond to meet the kind of challenges we have faced over the past 10 months. Fortunately, SWIB was able to pivot, as you mentioned, Chris, providing the necessary resources and remaining flexible by allowing staff to focus on both their professional and personal priorities. This allowed us to keep our staff working and working safely. Overall, meeting the challenges of 2020 required extraordinary dedication from everyone to react to the markets, keep key projects on target, and move the staff to a virtual work environment literally overnight. It was a point of great pride to watch as the SWIB staff used every tool in their toolkit to deliver for the WRS in 2020. I know from having spoken to you in the past that asset allocation is one of the most critical parts of SWIB's investment strategy. It accounts for the variations in risk tolerance and investment return levels for WRS participants. So Edwin, can you talk a little bit about how SWIB's asset allocation helped it weather the volatility in the markets that was caused by the pandemic? Well, SWIB implements a prudent and innovative long-term investment strategy to manage the assets of the Wisconsin Retirement System Trust Funds. To help ensure the pension fund can meet its obligations, we focus on long-term results. SWIB's portfolio of investments for the core fund is highly diversified, carefully monitored, and designed to strike an appropriate balance between risk and return. It's what we call the Goldilocks zone, not too hot, not too cold, just right. Having a diversified and efficient asset allocation allows us to survive the downturns in the market well enough to be in a position to capitalize on the opportunities that arise when markets become dislocated. As an example of that, we took advantage of the severe market dislocations in March and April of last year to tilt the trust fund toward assets that had sold off too much in our estimation, that being stocks and high yield bonds. Over the course of the year, There was a very strong rebound in both stock prices and in high yield bonds. And by the middle of the year, we had unwound that extra tilt that we had put on to the benefit of the WRS. This asset allocation not only was a benefit in the short term in helping you manage the ups and downs of 2020, but has really benefited the WRS by adding value to the trust funds over the long term, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. We diversify the trust fund assets among many types of public and private investments. 
When you combine that with our cost optimization efforts, which has saved $72 million over our peers in 2019 and $1.3 billion over the last 10 years, and our active management, we've been able to grow and protect the trust funds. When looking over the last 20 years, our active management and diversified holdings generated about $34.5 billion for the core trust fund above what we would have earned simply investing in low-cost passive portfolio consisting of 60% global equities and 40% domestic bonds. On a preliminary basis, our investment management has added value to the WRS trust funds of more than $1.9 billion above benchmark returns over the last five years. And that's all great news for the WRS participants. And now that 2020 is behind us, what are your expectations for the year ahead? Is there reason to be optimistic? Well, absolutely, but I would say cautiously optimistic. There's been an incredible amount of policy support, both on the fiscal side and the monetary side, not only in the U.S., but globally, to address both the dislocations we saw in capital markets early last year and the very large hole that the pandemic put into the economy. We do expect that support to continue, again, both on the monetary and fiscal side, both here and abroad. But the gains ahead in capital markets are likely to be somewhat muted because a lot of the good news has already been reflected in asset prices. Well, I'll say this, Edwin. After the year that we've had, I think that we can all agree that finding a silver lining out there and a little bit of optimism is certainly a good thing. And as Edwin said, SWIB diversifies its assets among many different types of public and private investments. Brian Helmer is SWIB's Managing Director of Global Public Market Strategies. The division, which oversees $60 billion, has five major strategy areas and also includes SWIB's trading operation and corporate governance effort. Brian, can you tell us a little bit about how your division handled the 2020 market disruptions? Yeah, thanks. I'm happy to talk about 2020, which was a very challenging, yet in the end, a very successful year for our SWIB teams. Good to talk about it in the past tense, though, right? Yes, it is. It is. Let me just start by saying I'm incredibly proud of our investment teams who not only had to navigate a global pandemic and the impacts that would have on global economies and markets, but also had to deal with the impact of the pandemic at a personal level, the impact it had on their work and personal lives. For safety reasons, like many employers, we closed our offices in early March near the peak of market volatility and news flow around the uncertainty related to the pandemic. And the teams were able to shift to working remotely, continuing to do their research, doing the trades, positioning their portfolios to try to add value all from a different place without the benefits of natural collaboration and their teammates across the hall from them. And our ability to do that successfully and to put the kind of numbers on the board that we did is a tremendous testament to SWIB's IT teams, to the trading desk, and really all of the investment teams who stayed so focused on the work that needed to get done in that time. In the end, we actually, during the course of the year, expanded to eight different strategies, and I'm happy to report seven of the eight outperformed their benchmarks in 2020. And most of them had periods of time during the course of 2020 where they were underperforming the benchmarks. So they stuck to their discipline they stayed true to their process, and ultimately, seven of the eight of them produced strong numbers, strong performance, and what turned out to be a very strong year for equity markets. And the division as a whole added a lot of value to the pension fund, and it's a remarkable performance and something I think we're all proud of. So Brian, what is the one thing that stands out to you as you and your team worked through 2020? You know, it would be easy to focus on the investment results, which as I just mentioned, are something we're all proud of. And 
I want to make a point of saying that the results really are a testament to the ability of our teams to remain steady through the storm and stay convicted to their core investment process, which is the essence of successful professional investing. And two other points I think are worth making. And one is the ability of SWIB to continue to innovate and stand up new things and work to find new ways of serving the pensioners Regardless of the challenges in front of us, I'll allude back to the fact that we stood up two new fixed income strategies, one focused on mortgage-backed securities, one focused on high-yield securities. Both not only got off the ground, but got off the ground and outperformed for the year. So just the ability to stay focused, I thought, was really impressive during the course of a very unusual and challenging year. And it really leads me to a higher-level point that I think I want to make on this podcast, which is the idea that what this pandemic taught me and reinforced to me is that beyond being a very professional group of investors, the team at SWIB is also very dedicated to the mission of SWIB and is willing to put in that extra effort to battle through unusual conditions and to get to the end of the rainbow on doing what's necessary to stay focused and to stay consistent with the mission. We were able to finalize the selection of a new core infrastructure platform, a very collaborative, big effort within the division, an initiative that naturally requires a lot of meetings and demos and conversations, ultimately negotiations, planning sessions. That got done. It would have been easy to use the COVID situation as an excuse or you know, a very valid reason to slow down or to delay the kinds of ideas that we had that we thought we could serve the pension with. But no one wanted to slow down despite the challenges. Virtually everything we hoped to get done on January 1st, 2020, got done by December 31st. And I believe that is a tremendous testament to the commitment of our staff. Brian, you talk about how the staff at SWIB found ways to innovate and do things differently during a challenging year. And and certainly I've heard a, a lot of different stories from different organizations that have had to adapt the way that they do business. But in the course of doing so, have you found anything that worked better? Have you found anything that when everything hopefully goes back to normal in the very near future, you'll be able to continue to incorporate into the way that SWIB does business? Yeah, I think the way we collaborate has been permanently impacted by the COVID experience. And that's not to say that we won't welcome and celebrate the day when we can get back into the office together. That will certainly be a welcome experience and something that many of us would be happy to do as soon as it's safe to do. But the demonstration of ability to do the work that we need to do to collaborate together in the ways that we need to collaborate from any place in the country, from people being scattered across the entire country at times as people travel to take care of family issues and things like that, I think demonstrates the opportunity we have to leverage technology that's out there to provide ultimately a different way of collaborating, an additional new set of tools to our staff to stay productive as they go to conferences or to attend conferences remotely. It gives us new tools to get consulting help in ways that are more cost-effective without having to fly people out to talk to us. And it changes the way I think we can continue to work through 
whatever the world brings at and throws at us. And I think that's really one of the great insights. And, you know, as a direct function of that, we're going back into our conference rooms, certainly as we talk about building out new space, the level of technology in our conference rooms to facilitate interaction between people in the building and outside of the building will directly be impacted by the experience that we've been through in 2020. Well, that's exciting stuff. And when we visited with you back in December, I know that one thing that we talked about then was optimism. You seem to think that the markets were pretty certain about what to expect from the coming year. Do you still feel the same way? So the point I made back roughly a month and a half ago was that it was an unusual situation for the markets to be able to look forward and be incredibly confident that almost at any point in 2021, you were going to be able to say, well, this is better than things were last year. Things are better. And markets love improvement. They love growth. They love year-over-year positive change in earnings and revenues and spending and things like that. And 2021 set up to be a fairly straightforward situation where the bulk of the year was going to be in that situation. Things are going to be better at almost every point than it was a year ago. And since that conversation we had, the market is up about 5%, which, you know, to put that in context, we normally expect stocks to rise about 7% a year. So here we are up another 5% in six, seven weeks since our last conversation. So clearly the kind of optimism about 2021 that we talked about in that conversation has been impacting investor perception about getting in front of that to the degree they can and positioning themselves in things like stocks. And I think that as we sit here today, we have to ask ourselves, okay, so now we're up another 5%. Are we getting close to a point where that kind of positive outlook, that kind of year-over-year improvement is basically priced in and it creates risk going forward? Now, one of the things that's happened in addition to the market rising 5% is that we've seen a little over half the companies report their fourth quarter earnings results. And when coming into that reporting season, the expectations were that earnings were going to be down about 8 to 10% for the typical company. And that's consistent with the fact that the economy is still feeling the effects of COVID. That has not proven to be the case. There's a lot of companies that have found ways to benefit from COVID. Um, so certainly some companies are still feeling the pressure, but other companies have really done well. And rather than seeing those kinds of high single-digit declines in earnings, we're actually seeing earnings up a little bit year over year in the fourth quarter versus the fourth quarter of 2019, which is a huge surprise and really sets the stage for even a little more optimism than I think investors might have been thinking about from an earnings standpoint as we enter 2021. So I would say that as we sit here today, the baseline expectation, certainly for the foreseeable future, is one where the economic backdrop, the GDP growth backdrop will remain positive And generally speaking, markets do okay, or they at least very rare that they do very poorly when economic growth is strong and improving. But there are risks. And it starts with the fact that stocks do price in a lot of good news already. The other risk that's out there from a fundamental standpoint is just that we get bad news on COVID itself, the variants that are out there, pace of vaccinations, disappointing, things like that, all present risks to the optimistic frame of mind that investors are bringing to their decisions especially early here in 2021. But as we get into the summer and second half of 2021 and people start thinking about after such a good year, how will 2022 compare to 2021? That's when I think people will sit back and go, now, wait a minute, stocks are expensive. I'm heading into a 2022 where the comparisons are much tougher. 
that's when you could start to see the volatility pick up, I think, in more meaningful ways. But as I always say, no one knows anything for sure about how markets will ultimately perform. And all of these, when I talk about forecasts, it's really just a base case in a distribution of things that could easily happen. But I think the base case still is six months of relatively sanguine markets, things doing okay, and then probably tougher sledding from there. Well, it's never a dull moment, Brian, in your world. And uh, we're certainly glad that we're leaving it up to you and your team to kind of navigate that roller coaster ride for us. So thanks again for taking the time to speak to us and the participants about what's going on in your world. Yeah, thank you. Thanks to the team here. And uh, again, my sincere thanks to our investment teams who are really the ones doing all the frontline work to make this happen. And I'm, I'm deeply appreciative of all their efforts. And you're right, Chris, it's never easy. And I don't expect 2021 to be easy, but we'll just keep at it. And thank you for the time. And finally, an overview of SWIB's position wouldn't be complete without Anne-Marie Fink's perspective. Anne-Marie is SWIB's Managing Director of Private Markets and Funds Alpha. Her division is responsible for approximately $54 billion in investments with external active managers. Anne-Marie, your team is making investments in areas such as private equity and debt, real estate, and venture capital. How did your portfolios perform through the ups and downs of 2020? Well, it was certainly a dynamic year. I would say as we got into March, that was a very, very fraught time. We were really focused on what was going on with our companies, particularly on the private equity side. We had managers that were focusing on hunkering down, on reducing cash burns, on making sure that their companies could survive. What we thought was going to be a very long period of difficulties. What was interesting, though, was that things actually snap back relatively quickly. And I can remember through as early as May, we were talking to managers about their companies and they were telling us how well things were going, how they cost cutting and the ability to pivot and to respond to people being at home. Many of our companies were able to profit from that and to continue to work in a very effective fashion. In the private markets, that was a lot of what we saw. And on the real estate side, we saw a similar hunk down as managers worked with tenants and we had to offer a number of rent concessions and working on deals where we acknowledged the current stress that our tenants were under while trying to preserve value for SWIB and for our pensioners over the long term. So as we came out, real estate's been slower to recover, but we are starting to see some progress there as well. And then the last thing I would say in our public markets activities, so where we're working with managers that are investing in public markets, so that's hedge funds and also long-only managers, we did find, again, it was a tough period in March. A number of our managers really felt the need to take down risk and to hunker down, if you will. But as we got into April and markets started to function a little bit more normally, a number of of our managers were able to seize opportunities and to really benefit as the markets recovered. So Anne-Marie, you talked briefly about the impact that the pandemic caused in the real estate markets, particularly retail and office space. And certainly that was a tricky area to navigate during the pandemic this year. But what were some of the other impacts that you saw the pandemic have on your private markets and funds alpha portfolios? And was there a way that you were able to really pivot and make the most of what was a tricky situation? 
Yeah, so I would say the environment, because there was so much uncertainty out there, many investors or people similar to us were kind of frozen and not able to move forward. We at SWIB, because of our somewhat unique governance model and our very skilled team, we were able to actually be on our front foot at a time when many other people were on their back foot. And so there were two areas where that really made a huge difference for us. One is some of the best managers out there are very much capacity constrained. They can only take so much money. And so part of our team's job is to convince those managers to take more of our money. At a time when other investors were kind of frozen, we were able to put a lot of money to work because we were, again, out on our front foot talking to these managers and willing to commit capital. So that was a huge advantage to us and something that will extend for years to come because now that we have capital with these managers, we will stay with them for years to come. And so we expect that to pay dividends for many, many years. The other place where it was helpful in a similar vein is there were other managers who were not able to raise capital because, other, again, other investors were sort of frozen and they were interested in bringing in more capital and were not able to attract it elsewhere. So in many of those cases, we were able to say, well, we can commit more capital. We want better economic terms in exchange for that, though, because we know that there's not a lot of competition right now. So in many cases, we were able to negotiate better fee terms and lower fees that, again, should pay dividends for years to come. It almost seems like you're in a position where, as the Wisconsin retirement system and having the flexibility that you do, you were able to make moves during this tricky situation that probably a lot of other pension funds weren't able to make. That's right. And in fact, one of our favorite managers came to us in late March and said, we can give you another 50 million. You can invest another 50 million with us. And we immediately said yes, because this is one of our highest conviction managers. And then a week later, they came back and said, yeah, we were going to give some more capacity to somebody else, but they were not able to move quickly enough. So do you want to put 75 million to work? And we said, absolutely. So it's opportunities like that that were created. And on the PIMFA team, we basically put a little over $6 billion to work last year. So it was a very active year and one that we think, because there was a little bit less competition for our money, that we got better deals than we've gotten. So you were able to take advantage of all those opportunities with kind of the disruptions and the dislocations in the market. What do you see going forward in 2021 as we get started in a new year? Do you see those trends continuing? So for sure, the trends that were invested with these high quality managers and at maybe somewhat lower fees than we might have in the past, that will continue for years. The other thing I would say is when we're thinking about the environment right now, I would divide it into sort of three categories. So there are the COVID beneficiaries, the COVID disadvantaged, and then the COVID unknowns. So the COVID beneficiaries were many companies last year, particularly anything on the internet, remote video conferencing, things like that. Those groups, their businesses actually accelerated due to the pandemic. And so 
as we think about that, we want to think about where those trends are going to continue and how we can continue to ride those trends, because we do think some of those trends will be long-term trends. And one of the areas, in addition to venture, where we're taking advantage of some of the internet changes, we are also looking a lot at life sciences venture, because another thing that's happened in this pandemic is there's been a real acceleration in innovation on the healthcare side. So that's something that we want to continue to to invest behind. The second category are the COVID disadvantaged. So that's areas where now that we can see the light at the end of the tunnel and we're starting to think about how the world starts to open up again and recover, are there businesses that have been challenged because of COVID that as we kind of come out of this could see some real growth? And the best example I have there is we are looking at some hospitality or some hotel assets in our real estate program. Program. And there we want to think those businesses have not been making a lot of money in the last few years. We haven't had a lot of exposure there, but we think as things open up, there may be some real opportunity. And because the businesses have not been making a lot of money, the prices to pay for some of those assets are actually quite low right now. Not to mention a whole bunch of people have gone an entire year without a vacation and are probably just itching to get out of the house. Exactly. But even here, we want to be careful as we think about the impact of COVID, right? So to your point, Dusty, we're more focused on leisure travel assets or hotels that really cater to a leisure traveler than we are to hotels that cater to business travelers, because we do think business travel is going to take a lot longer to come back because we figured out some of these video conferencing ways to avoid business travel in the future. And then my third category would be the sort of COVID unknowns. And those are ones where we're taking a more cautious view because we're not quite sure how things are going to evolve. And one good example there is probably office real estate. It could evolve that after a year of working remotely, we all can't wait to get back into the office and offices are going to remain as vital as ever. And we may actually even need more office space because not only are we going to get back in the office, but now we have to have six feet between every person in the office. On the flip side, it could be that we like this remote work and we're not going to need as much office space because we're all going to start working remotely. And we're also going to maybe work not from the big cities of New York and San Francisco, but we could see more mid-tier cities like Madison and Milwaukee gain from this. So those are some of the unknowns where we're really working with our managers and researching and keeping an ear to the ground to try and develop a thesis around how it's going to develop and then invest a little bit more cautiously, but ultimately, as the trend develops, we'll invest behind it. Well, thank you, Anne-Marie, for sharing your thoughts. This has been a really interesting opportunity to hear three compelling perspectives on what's on the horizon for the WRS and its members. There are certainly never any guarantees in the financial world, but I think as we look ahead, WRS participants can be confident that SWIB's strong foundation is keeping the pension system well-positioned for whatever comes next. Thanks to all our guests today for a great discussion, and thank you for listening to the SWIB podcast. We will be bringing you updates on a regular basis, so make sure to take a moment and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Also, remember to follow SWIB on LinkedIn or subscribe to our email list for more information. The SWIB podcast is brought to you by the State of Wisconsin Investment Board and produced by PodCamp Media, branded podcast production for businesses, podcampmedia.com. Our editor is Larry Kilgore III. 
Thanks again for listening. I'm Chris Preisler. And I'm Dusty Weiss. 